Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots. It's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, here on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app, among other applications and websites like TalkStream Live and the Paranormal Radio app. 
If you'd like to contact the show tonight, you can email me directly at rdgable at yahoo.com and find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter. You can also find the secret teachings on any radio or podcast player. Again, the show does air five nights a week. But you can find the show archive on any of those players. You can listen for free. There are algorithmically placed advertisements, however. So if you don't mind listening to those, great. We make a little bit of income off that. If you do mind listening to them, you can always visit our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe to the archive without the ads. You'll also get a lot of other perks like access to the montage archive a private RSS feed for that ad-free archive, access to my books digitally. You can read them and download them. And of course, you get early access to the show and you will be supporting the secret teachings and allowing us to do what we do five nights a week. But for me, it's more like a a seven-night-a-week job because I always have to stay up-to-date on what's going on and try to craft a show around something that might be topical, but also might have historical roots. And I try to provide you with a different perspective. I hope that I do a good job at that. I want to provide a different perspective. I don't want to parrot what I hear on other radio shows. I don't even listen to other radio shows. I don't want to parrot what I hear on TV. I don't even watch TV. But I get information obviously from biased sources, and I try to interpret it in a way that gives us a different thought. It gives us a different way to look at it. And I think that's really the core of what this show is all about. And I want to do that again tonight, as always, looking and trying to merge a couple of different similarly related things so that we can perhaps get a different perspective on some of the things that are happening right now. For example... My home state of Florida was just devastated by Hurricane Ian. Not the whole state, but a large part of southwest Florida through the middle central part of Florida up to the east coast and the northeast coast of Florida. And it's really strange to me, having grown up there, how every time a hurricane hits Florida, it's always the biggest and worst hurricane to hit the state. And we did a show last week where I talked a little bit about this and I asked the question, what exactly determines whether that storm is the biggest or the worst ever? There are lots of different factors that go into determining whether a hurricane is stronger or weaker than a previous storm. We use a a scale now that tells us whether it is a category one, category two, category three, category four, or category five, right? But that scale is based on wind speed and sustained wind speed. So you could have a hurricane on the Saffir-Simpson hurricane scale that's a Category 3, but the pressure might be completely different than, and, and, and um, you might even have a storm surge that's completely different uh, than a hurricane that's um, a Category 4. When you look at the history of hurricanes that hit Florida, you go back to Hurricane Andrew, A couple of listeners from Florida actually messaged me about that. I thought I mentioned Andrew on last week's show, but Hurricane Andrew was devastating. You can go back to 
the 1930s, go back to the 1920s. You can go back to more recently in the 21st century. You can go back to Hurricane Jean, Hurricane Charlie. You look at these hurricanes, Hurricane Wilma, and everyone is always the biggest and the worst ever. Now, part of that is because the media wants and needs a story, right? If it's just going to be a little breeze and a little bit of water rise and some strong winds like a tropical storm, who's going to report on that? The Weather Channel doesn't need to send you know reporters down to every part of the state. But they need a story, right? So they have to hype the hurricane, even if it's not going to be that bad, to make it seem bad. And if it goes another way, it doesn't make landfall and cause the damage they thought, then they move on to the next story. But obviously, media sadistically loves when there is destruction. I mean, you might think that that's a a twisted, nihilistic way to look at the world. But does anybody really think that all these news outlets care about the people of Florida? You think they care about the people in Fort Myers? You think they care about the people up in uh, Daytona or Jacksonville? You think they care about the people in Florida? If, if there was no devastation, no destruction, the hurricane just blew over and everybody was fine. You just got a little wet. There wouldn't be any news cameras down there. It's because people's homes were destroyed. It's because businesses were destroyed. It's because homes were floating down the street in 15-foot storm surges. That's why the cameras are rolling. And that's why you have news outlets that are obviously interested in covering the story and telling you about how bad it was and interviewing. I saw the guy with uh, the tie-dye shirt, the gray hair, keeping his dog above the water, and they just kept playing that over and over and over and over and over again. And of course, you have mainstream news outlets that are telling you nonstop, it's constant, it's like every day. Hurricanes, long gone, but you still hear it every day. It's because of climate change that the storm hit Florida with such intensity. And there are a couple of things that I think need to be reintroduced on tonight's show. The, the, the first one is, first idea is, and the first question is, sure, there are records that are set by this hurricane, but are those records for the whole world, records for Florida, or records for that exact specific location in Florida? So I watched some of the coverage. I think it was Sarasota had a record storm surge, but that's for Sarasota in that particular area where they measured it. If you go down the coast, it wasn't a historic storm surge. Again, they don't want to put the camera on the areas that weren't historic, as if the word historic means that this is the worst thing that's ever happened, and they know the reason that it happened. It's because of climate change, and then you're supposed to think, because that's the programming, it's because you drive a gas-powered car, it's because you have a family, it's because you run a business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, anybody with an electric car in Florida, how does it work when the power gets taken out by a hurricane? Can you charge that car? Can you go anywhere? Or do you become completely dependent on government? I mean, that's what lockdowns and quarantines and house arrest, social distancing was all about. It was about destroying independence in business, commerce, and income. And after those lockdowns and quarantines and house arrest, now inflation, 
Now, with the destruction of economic stability, by whatever definition, it's eliminating people's savings. Like, my rent is going up here where I live, and I had a few thousand dollars in savings, and that few thousand dollars now is going to have to go toward paying rent. And I can't move anywhere else because the rent's going up everywhere. I might as well stay where I am for the cost of moving. So eliminating people's independence and businesses and then eliminating people's savings and getting you connected and hooked on the government cheese. So you can't really charge those electric cars in Florida if the power is out, right? And you're going to have to use, as we've seen in the news, gas power generators. Florida's the sunshine state, but there aren't any solar panels down there powering the state after the hurricane went through, are there? Maybe you can find one person with a tiny solar panel charging their cell phone, but they need the power system back up and running. They need electricity, and they need gas, and they need the types of fuels that are cheap and efficient and provide you with the energy for a functioning society. But we're told that that's a bad thing, and we're told that it has destroyed the world, and the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez just this week, just yesterday, issued a dire warning to the world. He said that the current pledges to cut greenhouse emissions were, quote, far too little and far too late to keep temperatures from rising above a critical threshold. Now, I don't know if you remember back in 2020, the justification for those lockdowns, quarantines, and house arrests, what those justifications were. Those justifications were computer models. Computer models of how many people are going to die here, how many people are going to die there, We basically had computer models and scientists telling us, well, this is what's going to happen based on the information we plugged in to the system. And one of those computer models, in fact, most of the computer models, came out of something called the Imperial College. And a guy named Neil Ferguson. For those of you who don't remember this, Neil Ferguson is the guy who has been wrong about flu after flu after flu disease after disease after disease, but the government turned to him for information on the COVID, the SARS-CoV-2. This is the guy who said a half a million people were going to die in the UK. Didn't happen. This is the guy who broke his own lockdown recommendations to have an affair with a woman who traveled from her home, where she was living and quarantined with her kids and her husband, to bang this disgusting piece of trash that we call Mr. Ferguson from the Imperial College. So while he wanted to lock everybody down for his computer predictions, he was off having an affair with some woman who lived in a completely different location. These are the kinds of people that are in charge perceptually. These are the kinds of people that want you to stay home. They don't want you to have a business, but they get to continue to do and live the life that they want to to do and want to live. So, The U.N. Secretary General just said yesterday, the collective commitments of G20 governments are coming far too little and far too late. The actions of the wealthiest, developed, 
and emerging economies simply don't add up. It's very similar to COVID-19, right? When we're not seeing the mass amount of death, we're not seeing the direct results of climate change, but it's too little too late and we need to do something drastic to prevent these predictions that are wrong from actually happening, which they won't because they're fake. What's real, however, is at least, as of last night, at least 105 people have been confirmed fatalities, confirmed dead as a result of Hurricane Ian. 101 of those deaths occurred in Florida. Four deaths were recorded in North Carolina. Now, North Carolina didn't get the kind of coverage, did they? Because it wasn't a huge storm when it hit North Carolina. But Florida got the coverage, so 101 people in Florida matter. The four people in North Carolina, that's just a footnote. In Lee County, Florida, the largest source of the casualties, 54 people died, according to county officials. The Associated Press also reported that there were three fatalities in Cuba which is where Ian struck right before striking Florida. Most of the deaths from the hurricane, of course, were a result of drowning. Most people are not blown away and picked up in the storm and slammed into buildings. Most people drown. And some people um, drown because they stay behind thinking they can, they can weather the storm. Some people drown because they're trying to help other people. Some people drown because they just... Uh, they might be elderly and don't have a way to really, you know, to really uh, to, to maneuver in that kind of an environment. Uh, one elderly couple died because the power went out and their oxygen machines went off. So what happens if there's no sunlight? What happens if there's no wind? Nobody gets oxygen machines, right? That's the strange thing about what's happening in Florida. Got to get the power back on. Got to help the people of Florida but we got to help them by turning the power back on. Uh, renewables aren't going to do anything in this type of a natural disaster. If you had, I mean, if you had 100% renewable energy in Florida, you had solar, you had wind, what's the hurricane going to do? It's going to just destroy the solar panels. It's going to destroy the wind turbines. Yeah, sure, it destroys some power poles, but when you look at the thousands of people lined up to come into the state of Florida, it happens every time there's a hurricane, all the linemen that come in, to put the poles back up to reconnect the wires and to get the system running again. It's more efficient, it's cheaper, it's easier than having to rebuild a windmill that doesn't generate the electricity that you need to run a society. A windmill that most of the time doesn't run itself anyway, so you have to start it with gas or diesel. So it, 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 none of this makes any sense. And it gets even stranger, it gets even more bizarre because you have people like the vice president saying, and the White House backing her up, that the hurricane relief will actually not go to everybody in the state of Florida. I don't know if you heard this clip, but it's unbelievable. This is Kamala Harris saying that the hurricane funds should actually go to the lowest income communities and the communities of color. I'm going to play it for you because it's almost unbelievable that when a state is devastated by a natural disaster, they politicize the disaster, even though hurricane experts and even the Weather Channel and top scientists 
climatologists have said you cannot say that these hurricanes are linked to climate change. In fact, we have had fewer storms in the Atlantic over the last at least 100 years than had been recorded prior. The, the hurricane frequency is getting less intense. So these storms are not a result of climate change. This is all the mainstream science, by the way. So they've changed their tune now, and they're saying that the storms might not be becoming more frequent, but they are becoming more intense. Something else you can't link to climate change. I don't think you can link it. Uh, they can associate it with it. They can claim that's the case, but the science actually doesn't show that. So if you believe in science, this is what the science shows us. So here is the vice president saying that we need to get the money from the federal government to people based on their skin color. It is almost too unbelievable when you hear it. You certainly probably wouldn't believe me if I just told you that. But this is what she said. Take a listen to this. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and, and so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and and do that work yeah not everybody starts on their knees and then makes it to the white house so you just heard what she said. She said that we need to distribute the money, distribute the assistance based on equity. We fight for equality, but we also fight for equity. We want people to start at the same place and end at the same place. Nothing is more stagnating. Nothing is more inhibiting. Nothing is more preventative of the development of human consciousness and the soul and the spirit than forcing everybody into a one-size-fits-all structure where you start the same and you end the same and you have no incentive to do anything because you're going to get the exact same thing your neighbor gets regardless it destroys human will it destroys human ingenuity adaptability creativity etc that is what the vice president said i'm going to let you listen to this one more time i'll play it one more time for you kamala harris we need to distribute the money distribute the funds based on equality, and equity. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And, and so women. we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Now, according to the head of FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, you know, FEMA with all the quote, body bags and plans to enslave you and put you in concentration camps. Even FEMA said, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're going to send the money to all communities, not just certain specific communities that perceptually, I guess, for some people, make the vice president look like a caring person. Imagine that. 
Imagine the vice president and the president because the White House backed her up. The White House supported her hurricane relief equity remarks. Imagine a president, imagine a vice president looking at a natural disaster and saying, we're only going to give assistance to people based on skin color. Not even plantation owners in the deep south were that racist. They only were racist because they used race as a justifying end game death throw factor in justifying the preservation of human beings as their property. It was a last-ditch death throw effort. They were not as racist as Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. They want to give hurricane assistance to people of color. Okay, so if you have been able to, after listening to that, have your brain function like it was before you listened to it, like if that hasn't scrambled your wavelengths, if that hasn't scrambled your brain cells, think about this. What is that really saying? What that is saying and what she is saying and what she is meaning is that all minorities, black people, communities of color, all of them have been more devastated than white people or any other group that doesn't get included. There are a lot of Jewish communities in Florida, uh, coastal areas of Florida, especially on the East Coast. So I guess Jewish people don't get included. White people don't get included. Just communities of color. What she's saying is communities of color are inherently poor. And they inherently need the assistance of white Democratic presidents to help them rebuild. It's also incredibly demeaning, dismissive, and just totally asinine and anti-American. It's anti-human to furthermore suggest in that statement that all the non-communities of color, all the non-white people, or all the white people, I should say, all the non-colored people, all the white people, that they, they're well off. So if a hurricane destroyed their home, they can just rebuild it. They've got a bunch of money and all that privilege. It's assuming that communities of color are inherently always poor and that white people have all the money to just rebuild. I mean, it is stunning that a vice president would say something like that. We're going to look at this more when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Stay with us. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and the secret teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info i hope that you'll check out my new book liberty shrugged i wrote liberty shrugged to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in american history inside the nearly 700 page book you'll learn about meritocracy the differences between civil liberties and civil rights and how western civilization didn't start slavery but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the founding fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. 
We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the fall back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. While Florida is in recovery from Hurricane Ian, 105 people dead in the United States, 101 of them in Florida, Four of them in North Carolina, three people dead in Cuba. That storm is in the background now. We're past that. But the vice president of the United States wants to talk about it, not to assist the people of Florida, not to assist the families that lost people in the storm or maybe to help people in their time of need. The vice president wants to talk about distributing funds only to communities of color. So if you're black and wealthy, you get the funds. If you're poor and white, too bad. If you're black and wealthy and you had a window in your home busted, the government would like to pay for that for you. But if you're white and poor and your whole house blew away or your trailer blew away, too bad. This is the vice president of the United States. Somehow, these are the people that represent equality in the world by creating an unequal society. Take a listen again. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And I'm so women. we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. 
There's so much to unpackage in that statement. Let's listen to it again. I'm going to break it down as we go. Take a listen. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color. Our lowest income communities and our income or our communities of, of, of color. So lowest income and communities of color. That means that all communities of color, all black people, they're inherently poor. They don't have any money. They're not doctors. They're not lawyers. They're not teachers. They're not firefighters. They're not police officers. Black people can't be any of those things. They can only be poor and they can only listen to rap music and they only eat hot sauce and they only eat watermelon. This is what black people do. Didn't you know that? That's what Kamala Harris said. This is what a community of color is. They're really poor. They don't have anything. They don't have jobs. That's what she's saying. And that also means that white people who might actually need assistance, they don't get it under the White House's hurricane equity financial distribution program. That are most impacted by these extreme conditions. And How is it that these poor black people or these poor communities of color, according to the vice president, are most affected by the storm? When I saw pictures and videos of the storm, when I lived in Florida through several hurricanes myself, I grew up there. I'm pretty sure that the wind doesn't discriminate. I'm pretty sure that the wind, I'm pretty sure that the rain, that the flooding, that the storm surge, I'm pretty sure all of it will destroy your home, whether it's a mansion or it's a shack. I'm pretty sure that if you go stand out in the storm, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. If you go stand out in 150 mile per hour winds and you don't seek shelter, you're going to die. It doesn't discriminate, but the White House does discriminate. By these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And issues that are not of their own making, telling communities of color you're poor inherently, even if you're not, because of slavery. That's what she's saying. It's because of slavery that you're poor. Well, that's funny, because if you look back to the end of the era of slavery, you look back to the Reconstruction era, you look back to the early 20th century, most of the time, black folks tested better than white folks. A lot of the time, black folks, and this was true up until at least the 1940s, black folks, black communities had higher rates of marriage than white folks. So those communities of color were doing better immediately after slavery than they are today. That doesn't make any sense. This is all statistically verifiable. So we, absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities. By telling wealthy black folks that you'll pay for their house that got blown down, but not poor white people, how does that create a more equal society? It says blacks are poor, whites are rich, and therefore, if you're white and poor, if you're white and in the middle class, it doesn't really matter. You just don't get the assistance. Now, of course, FEMA said that's ludicrous. We're going to give the assistance to people who need the assistance. Don't listen to what the vice president says. 
She's out of her mind. We're going to give all communities assistance if they need it. So when you look at how this is being reported, we see a storm that has been politicized. We see 101 people in Florida, four in North Carolina, three in Cuba, that died as a result of this storm. Not unnatural, not uncommon. We see those people and their families, not to mention the thousands of other families that have lost everything or have lost a lot of what they owned. We see families that might not have lost everything, but they're struggling. They don't have any power. Uh, a lot of things that you know were normal uh, a couple of days ago before the storm aren't normal, and they won't be normal for several weeks. We, we, we see people that might not have access to, um, to uh, a, a food or to resources that they need. So this is where FEMA steps in. This is where the federal government steps in. This is where the state of Florida steps in. The governor steps in. But not according to the White House. They want that money to go just to communities of color. They want that money just to go to people who have dark skin. I mean, this is so incredibly disgusting and racist. And for some reason, people still think this is a good idea because we got to make sure everybody ends up at the same place. In the meantime, obliterating, destroying human ingenuity, human adaptability, human creativity, etc. So while people are dying, this is this is turned into a political circus, a game. And of course it is, because if you had a Democratic governor of Florida, the storm wouldn't have happened, right? There wouldn't have been a storm. If you had electric cars in Florida, the storm wouldn't have been as intense as it is. So this is on the, the first of like two or three layers and levels of what has happened in the state of Florida. You have the White House wanting to distribute money based on people's skin color, literally. The next level is how this is turned into a global event. A couple of articles here written by professors, written by scientists. Hurricane Ian capped two weeks of extreme storms around the globe. Here's what is known about how climate change fuels tropical storms. We've had Hurricane Ian. We've had a typhoon hit the Philippines, Nauru. We've had massive flooding in Puerto Rico from Hurricane Fiona. We had a huge storm in Canada. We had a typhoon named Murbach in the Pacific. I guess that hit, I didn't hear about this one until I read this article, that hit uh, the coast of Alaska. Uh, storms, major storms hit uh, the Canary Islands. And uh, there's just a long list of Weather events, they call them. But, you know, these are things that happen all the time, aren't they? Don't storms usually happen, especially during this time of the year? It's hurricane season. Typhoons are normal. Well, maybe the strength of the typhoon is not normal. How can you quantify that? I mean, we base hurricanes and their intensity on sustained wind speed. But uh, our, a Category 4, Four might do less damage depending on where it hits than a category two or three. 
And that brings us back to what we discussed last week. If a hurricane, let's say it's a Category 4, as Ian was, strikes Fort Myers and goes through highly populated areas, Florida's populated everywhere, then what happens? You have a lot of destruction, right? But if that hurricane hits the state of Florida and nobody's living in Florida, Florida's just this this open landscape and nobody lives there, then nobody cares about the storm. Did anybody care about the hurricane off the coast of New York on September 11th? Most people don't even know there was a hurricane right off the coast of New York on September 11th. Like literally right off the coast. Nobody cares because it didn't cause any destruction. What hit the towers, what blew up the towers, what disintegrated the towers, what dustified the towers, that's what makes for the news story. Nobody cares about a hurricane out in the ocean that doesn't hit anything and kill anybody. So we have the UN now telling us that because of these storms, it's too late to do anything. Based on the computer models, it's too late to even respond. I mean, these governments around the world can try to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. They can try to replace their plastic straws with paper straws, but it's over. We've gone too far. It's too little too late, says Antonio Gutierrez, UN Secretary General. It's too late. The collective commitment of G20 governments are coming far too little and far too late. The actions of the wealthiest developed and emerging economies simply don't add up. Well, what don't they add up to, though? That's, that's the question. According to the IPCC, the UN, they want to keep global temperatures from rising 1.5 degrees Celsius or higher. They don't want them to rise based on this arbitrary number. They want the average global temperature to be kept from rising 1.5 degrees Celsius or higher above pre-industrial levels. But when you look at the information that comes out of the Paris Agreement or the IPCC, you find a, a, a strange almost mathematically illiterate and economically illiterate conclusion. And that is, we should be spending all this money, trillions of dollars, to stop the temperature from rising and make life drastically more difficult, force people into extreme poverty, into starvation, into death, to prevent the temperature from rising at an arbitrary percentage, an arbitrary degree, an arbitrary uh, uh, degree of Celsius. If you fully implemented, for example, the Paris Agreement, it would cost per year between $819 billion and $1,890 billion per year. Per year. And the estimates are that it would reduce carbon dioxide emissions and other types of emissions by 1% of what is needed to limit the average global temperature to um, 1.5 degrees Celsius, roughly from rising to 1.5 degrees Celsius. In other words, every single dollar spent on the Paris Agreement, which is what this 1.5 degrees Celsius number is that the UN Secretary General is giving us here, every dollar spent will produce a climate benefit of 11 cents. So every dollar spent is a waste of 89 cents. And when you're talking about 
billions and trillions of dollars, you're literally throwing money, you're literally throwing resources, you're literally throwing the future away completely. Now, if we respond, if you listen to climatologists, environmentalists, and others that might agree that there is such a thing as climate change, but there are better ways to address it, they're not allowed to speak. Most of the time they get censored and banned. But they've suggested that if we just adapt to what is supposed to be coming, but which never actually arrives, like the ice cap should be melted by, what, 2014, and Miami should be underwater. None of those Al Gore predictions came true. And that's not really the point of tonight's show. I'm just giving you a little bit of a background on this. They keep giving you that 1.5 degrees Celsius, and they, and they keep telling you every time there's a storm, a hurricane hits Florida, it's all climate change. But none of that is even close to reality. None of that is even close to the scientific data. All the money they want to spend, and it has virtually no effect on either emissions or what we would consider to be beneficial changes to the climate. It basically does nothing, but it costs us everything. It sounds like a waste of resources. It sounds like a waste of wealth. Now, what if we encouraged people and we encouraged society to continue growing, to continue to get wealthier? What if we put our investments in building a better world? What if we put our investments in building a better community? a stronger community, stronger coastlines, like we build things on the coastlines to prevent those higher storm surges. This is what we've always done. This is what we should continue to do. Rather than forgetting about human adaptation, we should maybe focus on adaptation. Here's the, here's the thing that doesn't really make any sense at all. They keep telling you that the hurricanes are getting more intense, more severe, they're more frequent, when in fact none of that's actually true. Here's an article here I have a copy of in front of me. Here's an article that is telling me, this is from, I mean, it's about as mainstream as you can get. This is from Nature Communications, and this was published relatively recently. It says, we find that recorded century-scale increases in Atlantic hurricane and major hurricane frequency and associated decrease in USA hurricane strike fraction are consistent with changes in observing practices and not likely a true climate trend. That article, Changes in Atlantic Major Hurricane Frequency. So the changes in hurricane frequency are a result of observational methods, not a result of there actually being more hurricanes in the same way that we look at something like autism. Sure, autism has exploded statistically, but how do we define, how do we describe, how do we break down what autism is? Do we have more autism because of vaccines, because of heavy metals and things in our food and our water and the things that we drink and consume, medications, pills, etc.? Or is it because we've expanded the definition of autism so we have more cases of autism? In the same way, we expand the symptoms of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, so then we have more cases of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. We expand the, the definition of high blood pressure. 
we expand the definition of, um, you know, uh, 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 like uh, we have high blood pressure, which the medical industry has changed the definition. So having high blood pressure, you know, yesterday is super high blood pressure. Now, not having high blood pressure yesterday is now high blood pressure. Or they can change uh, the definitions of things like uh, a disease, change the definitions of a recession, and then it changes reality, right? So what about hurricanes? I want to share this with you. The cost of U.S. landfalling hurricanes constitutes two-thirds of the entire global um, catastrophic um, climate uh, disasters since the 1980s. So globally... U.S. hurricanes, largely in Florida, but also around the Gulf, Texas, Louisiana, they contribute to about 30% of global catastrophes in terms of, of, of cost. Now, the IPCC, this is the International Panel of Climate Change, concludes, this is their conclusion, we cannot confidently attribute hurricanes to human influence. This is what they say, quote, there is low confidence in attribution of changes in tropical cyclone activity to human influence. I'll read it again. There is low confidence in attribution of changes to tropical cyclone activity to human influence, end quote. This is the same IPCC that tells us the world is ending. Hurricanes are not getting more frequent, according to the IPCC. Current data sets indicate no significant observed trends in global tropical cyclone frequency over the past century. This is what the IPCC is reporting. So we can't blame when we, we think we see storm increases on climate change. The cause of this increase is debated in the scientific community. And there is low confidence, according to the IPCC, quote, low confidence in attribution of changes in tropical cyclone activity to human influence. Now, the U.S. National Climate Assessment agrees with that. They say that hurricane activity in the Atlantic sure has perhaps increased in some degree, some by some definition, but it's not really possible to figure out what that is attributed to. Scientific studies like this one from Nature say it's because of observational techniques, how we observe them. That's why we see more or less of something like a hurricane. The Geophysical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory at NASA also tells us that we cannot find an attribution. It's not climate change. We won't be able to know any of this stuff, even with a, a, a glimmer of, of, of possible certainty, for decades to come when we acquire all this data and put it together. So the IPCC, the National Climate Assessment for the United States, NASA, et cetera, are telling us that there are no more hurricanes occurring. And when there are increases in hurricane activity, it's not from climate change. This is what NASA says. The historical Atlantic hurricane frequency record does not provide compelling evidence for a substantial greenhouse gas warming induced long term increase. That's what NASA says. The number of continental U.S. landfalling hurricanes shows no trend in frequency or intensity. In fact, the trend is slightly, although it's statistically insignificant, slightly declining for both major, that's Category 3 and up, hurricanes 
and just hurricanes in general, category two and below tropical storms. They're actually decreasing in frequency and intensity. This is the IPCC. This is NASA, the U.S. National Climate Assessment and the Geophysical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory at NASA, all telling us the frequency has not increased. And when we see more storms, it's not because of climate change and the intensity has not increased. And if we see an intense storm, it's not because of climate change. One article I have here, this is from AccuWeather.com, talking about the death tolls in Florida, North Carolina, and uh, Cuba. Says that this is the strongest hurricane or the deadliest storm to hit Florida since 1935. But again, the deadliest storm. Any storm could be deadly. It doesn't have to be a hurricane. And there's a difference between what's deadly and what's strong and what's record setting. All these words matter because it can change our reality if we don't define what the words mean and put them in context. If we don't do that, then deadliest, strongest, record breaking all imply to the politically climate minded zealots that everything is a result of carbon dioxide, which is absolutely one of the most anti-scientific things that you could ever say. But here's part of the reason that we see more coverage. As I said earlier, the news cameras aren't going to roll if houses aren't getting blown away, if storm surges aren't covering the second floor, the third floor of hotels on the beach that are built in the water, basically. Nothing happens. There's nothing to report. They don't care. 101 people die. 105 people die. Then we've got something to talk about. The population of all coastal counties from Texas to Virginia um, on the Gulf and Atlantic coast have seen population increases from less than 2 million to more than 31 million in 2020. That's 1,640% of the 1,900 population. So, in other words, we have 29 million more people over the last 100 years that have moved or been born and raised and live on coastal areas of both the Atlantic and the Gulf Coast. That's 29 million more people. So when a hurricane or a storm strikes those areas, you have more people that are in harm's way, more people could die, and more property can be destroyed. So it can be an an even deadlier storm, a more destructive storm, even though it's the same storm that hit 100 years ago. Florida's 35 coastal counties have increased 67.7 times from less than a quarter million to over 16 million as of 2020. You think about that. In the last century, the coastal counties of Florida have increased 67.7 times. There are now 16 million people just living on the coasts of Florida. That's a lot more people that could drown, a lot more people that could lose their property, a lot more people who can afford to live on the coast building very expensive properties with a a lot of very expensive things inside. So when those things are destroyed, the cost goes up. The storm was incredibly destructive, incredibly deadly. But that's because more people live there with more expensive things. Housing units on the coast have seen a spectacular increase, like an unbelievable increase. In 1940... 
There were 4.4 million units within 50 kilometers of the coast all the way from Texas to Maine. 4.4 million. In 2000, the number was 25.6 million. That's a 600% increase from 1940. The first 50 kilometers have twice as many houses as the next 150. In other words, we have tens of millions of more people living on the coasts from Texas all the way up to Maine, and we have tens of millions more homes in those areas. We have 67 plus times, 67.7 times more people living on the coastlines of Florida today than we did in the 1940s. That's a lot of people. So when a storm comes, that's a lot of possible death, a lot of possible destruction. That's not climate change. That is the natural development and movement of human civilization. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. So it's taken months, but my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images. It will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law. Charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history and context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continue to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with TheDavidKnightShow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. 
Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever, and wherever you are listening around the world. I'd like to direct you to Apple Podcasts or any podcast or radio player and ask you if you would leave us a review and a couple of stars. Let us and others know what you think of the show. I'd also like to direct you to my email, rd. G-A-B-L-E at yahoo.com and our website www.thesecretteachings.info where you can grab a copy of one of my books. You can grab a subscription to the archive which also gets you access to my digital books so you'll get those as part of your subscription. And you can see the show promos posted there Monday through Friday. Get an idea of what the upcoming shows are all about. Otherwise, find us on social media on Facebook and on Twitter TST underscore underscore radio. 101 people as of last night have been confirmed dead in the state of Florida, my home state. Four people confirmed dead in North Carolina. Three people confirmed dead in Cuba. And although it's always a tragedy, although it's always something that we send our thoughts and our prayers and our love to the people that have been affected by a hurricane, a natural disaster, or something of this sort, There are some things that don't get addressed. Like, for example, what do people expect building multi-million dollar homes on the beach? What do people expect building homes on artificial land right around where I grew up? St. Pete Beach. A lot of St. Pete Beach, that area, artificial land, artificial fingers that are built. And then they build multi-million dollar homes on them. Or, you know, a home that might be like a quarter million, but since it's basically on a fake island in the middle of the ocean, it's worth like three or four million because of the location, location, location. What do we think is going to happen when those homes get destroyed? What do we think is going to happen when a hurricane strikes that area, which is not just plausible, it's highly possible if you live in those areas. We always sort of forget That people move to coastal areas, humans have always moved to coastal areas because of access to water, because of uh, shipping and transport and trade. This is a natural thing. What's not natural is expecting there to never be a natural disaster in an area that's prone to natural disasters. What's not natural is expecting whatever it is that you built there on the beach to never have to experience the weather. What's unnatural is blaming human activity for a natural event. That's what's unnatural. That's what's weird. What's weird also is 1,600 people die every single day from treatable, preventable, and reversible heart disease. 
People die needlessly every year from treatable, preventable, and easily reversible. Every study shows six weeks reversible diabetes. Right, left, down the middle. Doesn't seem like anyone is interested in talking about this. Where is the government funding? Where is the government assistance? Where is at least a public service announcement to save all those thousands and thousands and thousands of lives? Yeah, it's devastating when people lose their homes. It's devastating when people lose part of what they own and don't have power for weeks at a time, don't have food. It's devastating when people die in floods. But I mean, if we're being honest... At least a few of those people that died in the floods were probably not dying because of the hurricane, per se. They were dying because they were doing stupid stuff. I'd imagine at least one of those people were doing something stupid. Should we always think, should we always consider that because there's a death toll, it's a direct result of a hurricane, which is a direct result of human activity, which is a direct result of changes in the environment causing that hurricane causing people to die it's kind of like january 6th so many people had heart attacks and strokes and committed suicide but they say no five people died at the one person was shot by the police so 101 people dying it's devastating i'm not happy about it i'm not excited about it but this is also the risk you take living in one of these areas this is the risk you take staying behind you had ample time to leave Obviously, not everybody has the means to leave. Not everybody might, might, might not have the resources to leave. And this is where the story gets even more strange. You never hear, or at least you rarely hear, when there's a natural disaster, everybody sort of comes together. You know, the president does a flyover, or at least goes down and assesses the damage, if, just for pictures at least. They declare a state of emergency. They distribute funds to help the people in need. But every news story I've read about the politics and and the governmental response to Hurricane Ian is that the governor of Florida has been sparring with the president. And despite the fact that President Biden refused to even speak with Governor DeSantis for about a week prior to the hurricane hitting, knowing that it was probably going to hit, knowing that they needed assist, they were going to need assistance, he refused outright. Even the White House press secretary, Jean-Pierre, was asked about that. Why does the president not speak to the governor? And yet, the mainstream media has said that it's the governor of Florida that is refusing to drop the, the political nonsense, the political bickering with the president and... Uh, obtain the assistance needed. Politico ran this headline, DeSantis defends early hurricane response as questions mount over evacuations. I'm not in Florida, but I watched the Weather Channel. I was watching this whole thing unfold. For days, they were telling people, leave, evacuate the coastlines, and do it earlier. Because the longer you wait, the more chance you have of getting stuck in the storm, the more chance you have of not being able to get out of that area. They told people this for days and days and days and days and days. But people stay behind. Power goes out. People lose, you know, the, 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 um, 
this couple died because their oxygen went out when the power went out. No windmill, no solar power is going to keep those oxygen tanks on. So those, that couple died, elderly couple died because of, of, of the power going out. You know, people might have medicine they need to keep cold in a refrigerator or a freezer. Power goes out. They lose that medicine. I watched the unfolding, as I'm sure many of you did. The president refuses to speak to the governor. The governor tells people to evacuate, and yet it's still the governor's fault that people died. I mean, obviously, if you're in power, everything's your fault, right? That's like the first lesson of being in power. Everything's your fault. There's always a sword hanging over your head. That Democlean sword can always fall at any moment and pierce your skull, cut your head off. That's the danger of being in power. But because of politics or whatever you want to call it, the president of the United States refuses to speak to the governor of Florida. The media barely covers what Florida has done to prepare for the hurricane as if they're ignorant, as if they've never dealt with it before. And then the president is the hero because they're allocating, and it's not even the the president doing it, the president is an executive, um, when the, the federal government provides assistance to Florida. And when people say, I hope that assistance gets to the people in need, not like the the Red Cross in Haiti, where they took hundreds of millions of dollars and built like six homes, and then a lot of the rest of that money went to like foundations of uh, former presidents. Wink, wink. And all the money that was stolen by the Bush foundations, the Clinton foundations, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars just disappeared. But nobody wants to talk about the Bush Foundation or the Clinton Foundation. They want to talk about how DeSantis is exploiting people's death and the destruction of their homes to get reelected. Say what you want about DeSantis. Say what you want about any government or political official. When has he done that? But that's the thing. You don't need to do that. DeSantis doesn't need to politicize it. The media will politicize it for him. And the vice president of the United States will say, actually, um, we don't want to help everybody like the governor is doing. We want to just help the people who have a certain kind of skin color. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And I'm so women. we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. So black people are poor. White people are rich. The hurricane only affects the black people. It doesn't affect the white people. Black people can't be rich. Black people can't be doctors and lawyers and firefighters and police officers and teachers Only white people do those jobs. And so black people need the assistance of fake black people like Kamala Harris and white racists like Joe Biden and the White House in order to build their home back or build their business back or whatever it is. White people can't be poor, apparently. Listen, I grew up in Florida. I lived in a lot of places in Florida. I lived in Lakeland. 
I lived outside of Lakeland in Polk County. And where I lived, I lived in a trailer. And it wasn't a dangerous neighborhood, but it wasn't a nice neighborhood. It was, you know, trailer trash, basically. Everybody was white. So I guess all those people that live in the trailers, you know, the classical communities that get destroyed by the hurricane or the tornado, those white trailer trash communities, if you will, I lived in them. I can say that those communities that were destroyed by a hurricane stored by a natural disaster, they never deserve assistance. They never deserve the goodwill of decent people, regardless of what their skin color is, because those white people in those trailers, they have privilege and they're only living in the trailers. Ironically, they actually have enough money to buy multi-billion dollar mansions on the beach like Al Gore and Barack Obama and all the others. It's it's just the, the black communities, right? They're always poor. What did Joe Biden say about young children? He said that poor kids are just as smart as white kids. Once again, implying that black kids are stupid and they may they might be able to be as intelligent as white kids. Does anybody else notice this or see this or understand what that implies? And then she said, we want to give resources to the communities of color, the people that actually need it. Well, I'm pretty sure that not only do, does everybody need it who was affected to some degree, some people more than others, but. She says that those communities of color were affected more than other communities. What is this woman talking about? Everybody's affected by a hurricane. That hurricane doesn't discriminate. That hurricane doesn't pick communities and say, all right, we're going to destroy that one. That one we're going to leave alone. I mean, is she saying that the hurricane is racist? That's what that's what the, the weather is now racist. That's what Kamala Harris is saying. Black communities need money. White communities don't, even if both are destroyed by the same storm, because she says that those black communities. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions. Most impacted. So let's just trail off on another thought process here. If you get rid of the cheap, efficient, and powerful sources of energy, like you would need to rebuild parts of Florida and bring the power back and get people to living in a first world country again, to take that away affects poor people the most. And it affects developing nations in particular. It prevents those nations from developing because they don't have access to to cheap and efficient forms of energy. Now, going back to the original thought process here, black communities are more affected by storms. So what she's saying is the hurricane is racist. The, The hurricane is, I guess, it's probably homophobic too. So, you know, if you're in Ybor City at one of the, one of the, the, uh, the nightclubs or, you know, they have the gay pride and all that stuff, you're probably in more danger. I guess the best thing to do would be if a hurricane is approaching, evacuate to rich white neighborhoods and make sure there aren't any homosexuals running around because the hurricanes are going after homosexuals. They're going after queers. They're going after uh, uh, lesbians. They're going after bisexuals. They're going after trans people. They're going after black people, Hispanic people. 
This is what the vice president of the United States is saying. This sounds like something from the 1800s. Hurricanes are racist and they're transphobic and homophobic. Jesus Christ. I love how people will say, well, she didn't actually say that. She just said those communities of color are most affected. How? Everybody's home, everybody's property, everybody's lives are equally affected. Talk about equality, equally affected by the storm. So while Kamala Harris says that, and while the White House backs her up and supports her and says, yeah, sure, makes sense. We're not going to give money to uh, people that are white. FEMA says, well, um, we are going to give money to people that actually need it. We're not just going to give money to minorities or whatever you want to call them, which, you know, if you're white in most places like Miami, you're not a minority. If you're white in a lot of parts of Florida, you're not a minority. So. FEMA says, now we're going to give the money to, to, to everybody, you know. And meanwhile, the news criticizes the governor of Florida for actually assisting people and helping people and distributing resources equally. That somehow is unequal. It's racist. It's sexist. It's bigoted. It's fascist. But when the vice president says hurricanes are racist, they only attack blacks and homosexuals. And we need to give money to the blacks and homosexuals and to the minority communities because those are the ones most affected by storms. White people aren't affected by storms. It's almost like every day we reach a new low. Meanwhile, this is the same White House. This is the same administration. Same one. That has told us. If Russia invades Ukraine, we will deal with the Nord Stream pipelines and then Russia invades Ukraine And we have two different exercises in the Baltic Sea, according to uh, its ball tops. And then we had um, the other one, which was uh, uh, reported on by the Associated Press. And then the pipeline explodes. And then just in time for the new pipeline uh, with Norway and Poland to open up for gas to replace those two pipelines. And um, then we have a story that it seems like all these climate change fanatics don't want to discuss, and that is what the International Methane Emissions Observatory reported earlier this week, according to Reuters, that the emissions coming from these pipelines that exploded, it's the largest emission event ever detected. And it just keeps emitting emissions. According to Reuters, Researchers at GHGSAT, which uses satellites to monitor methane emissions. I know satellites don't exist because the Earth is flat, I know. Uh, they estimated the leak rate from one of four rupture, po- rupture points was 22,920 kilograms per hour. That's the equivalent of burning 630,000 pounds of coal every hour. Think about that for a second. You can't have an electric appliance that runs on electricity that's generated through coal power. You can't have a gas-powered stove at all. That's even worse. You can't have a, a, a water heater because that's destroying the environment. But when pipelines explode and emit 630,000 pounds worth of coal burning every single hour, do the math. Since the Monday that happened, by the hour, by the amount 22,920 kilograms per hour of methane, that's 630,000 pounds worth of coal in comparison every hour. How much carbon 
dioxide emissions have you saved because of your green lifestyle? And how has that affected the amount of methane that's going into the atmosphere right now? I mean, you could have lived a perfect environmental life and all that's just thrown away now because of what happened in the Baltic Sea. You see how it works? And it doesn't make any sense. So this is the same administration that clearly is responsible. They threatened it. Clearly is responsible for the destruction of those pipelines. And that's not just my opinion. The president said that. Victoria Nuland, the Undersecretary of State, said that. This is what they said, not what I said. And now the president of the United States is adding a little bit to that. He's saying, we don't know what happened. We don't know what caused this to happen. We're going to investigate it. We're going to look at it. Although we don't know what happened, we do know for sure that it wasn't um, something that we did and that whatever Vladimir Putin tells you, he's lying. So we haven't investigated it. We have no idea what happened but we do know that Putin is lying to you. Well, I thank you all very much. You also asked me uh, earlier about the pipeline. And let me say this. It was a, a deliberate act of sabotage. And now the Russians are pumping out disinformation and lies. We're going to work with our allies to get to the bottom exactly what it, precisely what happened. And as at my direction, I've already begun to help our allies enhance the protection of this critical infrastructure. And at the appropriate moment when things calm down, we're going to be sending divers down to find out exactly what happened. We don't know that yet exactly. but So we don't know what happened. But we know that Russia is pumping out lies. We know that Russia sabotaged it. But we don't know what actually happened. But we know Russia sabotaged it. But we don't know what happened. We're not just don't listen to what Putin is saying. What he's saying we know is not true. So we know what Putin is saying is wrong. We know that what Putin is saying is not true. But we're not really sure what happened, though. Well, I know what happened. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We we will bring an end to it. We will bring it into it. So he said that Victoria Newland said that. And now he tells you that don't don't believe Putin. Don't believe Putin. We know he's lying. We know he's spreading false information. But what we don't know is what actually happened. We don't know. We don't know what happened. We know Putin's wrong, though. He's lying to you. You know, the arrogance and the conceit of these people is is legendary. And with all this methane. Coming up out of these pipelines, 630,000, I believe the number was 630,000. Let me double check, make sure I have that exactly right. 630,000 pounds of coal every hour equivalent or 22,920 kilograms per hour, according to Reuters, of methane pouring into the atmosphere. Even if you lived a perfect green life, it would be irrelevant now based on what's happening here. And these are the same people that are telling us because of carbon dioxide, hurricanes like Ian are getting worse. And hurricanes like Ian, according to the vice president, 
They're only targeting communities of color. And so communities of color need government assistance, not all communities. You know, I'd imagine that of the 101 people that died in Florida, they all weren't rich white people. You know, I'd imagine that some of them were probably elderly. They weren't all wealthy. They, some of them were probably poor. It's the most discriminatory, bigoted, racist, because she says skin color. She says color, commu- colors, uh, communities of color. Harris does. Um, it's the most racist, bigoted, discriminatory thing that is really imaginable. You know, if you want to class on racism and all this kind of stuff, just listen to what the vice president says. And then to add insult to injury, just like most major storms when they hit areas, Hurricane Ian is probably going to cripple the insurance market in Florida. I saw a um, a Weather Channel report. They were talking about insurance companies. Once again, once again, insurance companies, they're just not going to pay for it. Because, well, that was a hurricane that destroyed your house. That wasn't flooding. The flooding was caused by the hurricane. Well, we're not going to pay for that. So all that money that you dumped into insurance and once again, insurance companies don't want to pay for it. And where's the justice for that? The governor of Florida is talking about the insurance issue. Where's the vice president? She's concerned in her own little fantasy la-la land world with making sure that everybody ends up at the same place and starts at the same place and only communities of color get government assistance. It's truly mind-blowing. And despite the fact that all the evidence, all the scientific reports, all the scientific journals, climate journals show that hurricanes are not more frequent and they're not more intense, this is what we're told over and over again. And it becomes our reality, becomes the perception that we are programmed with. And that's what we believe, despite the evidence to the contrary. I'm Brian Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Meanwhile, methane is pouring into the atmosphere at record levels. And we just got to get that money to communities of color. We'll be back. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. I hope that you'll check out my new book, Liberty Shrugged. I wrote Liberty Shrugged to provide historical context and to dispel many of the myths that we learn about in American history. Inside the nearly 700-page book, you'll learn about meritocracy, the differences between civil liberties and civil rights, and how Western civilization didn't start slavery, but ended it as an institution that had existed for thousands of years. How many of the Founding Fathers did indeed own slaves, but what was peculiar about this was that these men would fight to end the institution for a variety of reasons. We look at the real causes of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. We prove without a doubt that slavery was in no way, shape, or form the cause of current socioeconomic issues which affect all people regardless of their color. In other words, this book dispels countless divisive social, cultural, and historical myths in an attempt to objectively find humble gratefulness in the American experience. Get your copy of Liberty Shrugged at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. This is David Icke from davidike.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From ground zero to The Secret Teachings. 
Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of the Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. You know, it's been 13 years since this document I have in front of me was published July of 2009 from the U.S. Department of Commerce and the Office of Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, detailing their Hurricane Aerosol and Microphysics Program, HAMP. HAMP was funded to the tune of $64.1 million. The document states... While OAR recognized that weather modification in general is occurring through the funding of private enterprises, NOAA does not support research that entails efforts to modify hurricanes. NOAA and its predecessor agency once supported and conducted research into hurricane modification through Project Storm Fury from 1962 to 1983. Project Storm Fury was discounted as the result of, one, inconclusive scientific results, and two, the inability to separate the difference between what happens when a hurricane is modified by human intervention versus a hurricane's natural behavior. Since Project Storm Fury's end 26 years ago, as of this document, NOAA scientists have gained substantial insight into the complicated and interconnected processes within the overall hurricane environment. Yet, it remains unclear if enough knowledge has been gained to make any new modification attempts practicable. So, this is a document from NOAA that says funding of private enterprises is certainly allowing for weather modification programs to privately be experimented with. They say that NOAA doesn't support this research directly, but NOAA and its predecessor agency did once support this research with Project Storm Fury. There was also Project Popeye. And they say that the original Storm Fury was discontinued because of, quote, inconclusive scientific, scientific results and the inability to separate difference, uh, differences between 
like a natural hurricane and something that, that, is, that is a human creation. They don't fully know, they said, in 2009, whether the hurricane was created uh, and um, the intensity, the strength, whatever they were trying to do, what, what, what was that natural or was that a part of their program? They, they couldn't really figure it out. They claim. Whether you believe that or not, it's interesting that Noah says that they don't support this research, but they once supported the research, but it's certainly happening even if they don't support it or finance it. And as of 2009, they said that it's unclear if we've actually learned anything since then that would allow us to attempt new modification procedures, new modification techniques. The document also goes on to say, Pollution aerosols reduced the cloud drop size and suppressed the warm rain forming process in the external spiral cloud bands of the storms. During the past decade, it was found that aerosols substantially affect cloud microphysics. Now, this can be caused by pollution. It can also be caused by spraying those aerosols into the atmosphere. In other words, this is just direct weather modification. Now, they can't always control it, they say. So they're not dismissing that the idea is, is bunk. They're not saying that it's not something that, that hasn't been done with it. They haven't even supported before. They're just saying it's discontinued because they can't figure out whether it was actually affected or if that was a natural storm. Now, this is when a government directly attempts to officially interfere with a natural process and alter the storm to make it either stronger or weaker, to use it as a weapon of plausible deniability, or to weaken it so it doesn't cause the type of devastation to places like Florida, Cuba, etc. This is officially from NOAA. This research has been conducted, and we know at least through private enterprises it continues to this day. But again, officially the government said we had to stop this because we couldn't determine what was real and what was not. And yet... Despite the direct interference of hurricanes and attempting to control them, they couldn't determine if what they were doing actually affected the storm. And yet today, we're told that every hurricane is a result of climate change and that hurricanes are becoming more intense, that hurricanes are becoming more frequent, even though the scientific data does not show that. It shows quite the opposite. Although it might be statistically insignificant, if anything, the data shows that hurricanes are becoming less frequent, that hurricanes are becoming less intense. At the very least, they're not more frequent and more intense. According to the IPCC, you know, that's the Climate Change Panel internationally. You've probably heard of the IPCC. The IPCC says, there is low confidence in attribution of changes in tropical cyclone activity to human influence. That's what the IPCC said. Current data sets indicate no significant observed trends in global tropical cyclone frequency over the past century. That's what the IPCC said. Now, the frequency and intensity of storms in the Atlantic could be, they could be said to have increased, but there's no way to confirm that. There's no way to identify that that's actually what's happening. So the U.S. National Climate Assessment says that attribution of human activity to the 
cause and the intensity of these storms is not possible. The Geophysical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory at NASA says the same thing. And because we don't have enough data, we wouldn't even have a clue, they say, for a couple of decades. They say this, The historical Atlantic hurricane frequency record does not provide compelling evidence for a substantial greenhouse warming-induced long-term increase. The number of continental U.S. land falling hurricanes actually shows no trend or frequency or intensity. They're either the same or the trend actually seems to be decreasing. For Category 3 and above hurricanes and all other hurricanes and, and tropical storms, tropical, um, tropical events as they call them, storm events, they actually seem to be statistically declining in frequency and intensity. And that's not a result of human adaptation or human uh, development and, 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 and the growing and the, and the, of wealth and, and industry and uh, protective barriers against these kinds of things. This is just the actual formation of the storms and the intensity of the storms and determining whether or not those storms and the frequency of those storms and the intensity of the storms are a result of climate change. Even when they try to control them directly, Noah said, we don't support this research anymore, but when we did support it, we really didn't find any evidence to suggest that we could control them. We couldn't find the difference between what was natural and what we were doing. Now, personally, I don't necessarily believe that, but even if we're just listening to the official account from NOAA, that's what they're physically trying to manipulate. The ambiguous kind of random, maybe, maybe not linked to, not linked to, of climate change and current storms, according to the IPCC, NASA, and the U.S. National Climate Assessment, all say there's no way to make the comparison. It's impossible to make the comparison, at least now. And it, it, it's very unlikely that these storms are even increasing in frequency or severity. I played this clip for you last week on the show. This is from CNN and CNN, Don Lemon on CNN, talking to one of the um, directors of NOAA and asking him about climate change. And the, uh, the guy's name is Jamie Rome. And he is the acting director at, at the time, NOAA's National Hurricane Center. So this is like an, an, a guy who's an expert on hurricanes. And, and take a listen to this interaction, to this exchange. Can you tell us what this is and what effect climate change has on this phenomenon? This is right before the hurricane hit Florida. We can come back and talk about climate change at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. We think the rapid intensification is probably almost done. So I played this for you before. He talks about the hurricane. It's approaching Florida. The eye wall breaks down, etc. And he's explaining this to Don Lemon and saying this is actually kind of uh, good news in a way. Your listeners, your viewers might be interested in this. And he shows him the map and the, and the radar. And Don Lemon responds, well, like you would expect Don Lemon to respond. Eyewall, and that should arrest development. Uh, so listen, I just, I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what, what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but uh, to link it to any one event, um, 
I, I would caution against that. So this is one of the, the leading experts on hurricanes at NOAA, and he tells Don Lemon, no, you can't link it to climate change. That is consistent with the scientific data from the IPCC, the U.S. National Climate Assessment, the Geophysical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory at NASA. And I mean, let's just be pretty blunt, frank and honest with freaking observational data. OK, the storms are not any worse. They're not more frequent. They're less frequent. And if they are intense, it's not a result of climate change. That's what all the scientific data shows. And Don Lemon says, I don't care. I live there. They're worse. You're wrong. OK, well, they, listen, I grew up there and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to intensify. They're, they're, they're like they've always been. I read this headline from uh, AccuWeather, and this is a good example of of the confusion that we have. Uh, the storm, Ian, that hit Florida is, according to AccuWeather, the deadliest storm since 1935. But they're saying it's the deadliest because 101 people died, right? So if nobody died in the storm, it wouldn't be the deadliest. See how that works? Could it have had the strongest winds? Well, are those wind gusts? Are those sustained winds? Is it the destruction that it causes to property? Is it the storm surge? They said the storm surge in Sarasota was a record. Well, maybe for that specific location, but it wasn't a record for the rest of the state. It wasn't a record for, you know, uh, the whole United States because of what happened in Houston or Louisiana. It's cherry picking areas and data and saying it's a record. It's a record. It's the biggest. It's the most extreme. It's the deadliest by playing with both numbers and dead bodies. Now, what they don't tell you is Florida's 35 coastal counties have increased 67.7 times over the last half a century or so. They are now 16 million people living as of 2020 in coastal cities in Florida, as opposed to about half a century ago, roughly back in the 1940s, um, maybe three quarters of a century. It's, it was that 60, 70, that's 80 years, it's three quarters of a century. Uh, there were a quarter million people. Now there's 67.7 times that many. There's 16 million people living in those coastal areas. So more people are living on the coastal areas of Florida. More people are living uh, in the Gulf and Atlantic coastlines from Texas to Virginia on the Gulf and Atlantic population increases have gone from 2 million from the early 1900s to 31 million, a 29 million person increase and a 15 plus million person increase just in Florida since the early 1900s to around the midpoint of uh, the 1940 for Florida, uh, 15 plus million additional people living on the coastlines just in Florida alone. But all the Gulf and Atlantic coast, 29 additional million people living in those areas. So when a storm hits, more potential for death. Housing units have also increased in these areas, of course, more people living there, more houses, more expensive houses. In 1940, there were 4.4 million units within 50 kilometers of the coast from Texas to Maine. Now, as of 2000, the year, the turn of the century, there were 26.6 million units. As of 2022, the number is 
Um, we don't have an exact estimate, but it, it's, it's probably over 30 million units in those areas. And most people build their homes. That There's more homes on the coastlines. It's roughly double what you get further inland. So that tells us that more property, more people, more families, more expensive stuff in areas that are prone to flooding and prone to hurricanes and prone to intense storms, you're going to have more death and you're going to have more destruction if the same exact hurricane, the same pressure, the same sustained winds, which is how they determine the category, the same rainfall, the same storm surge, the same hurricane hits Florida every single year, once a year, let's say. Well, since 1940, around the 1940s, there's been a 15 million plus person increase on coastal communities in the state of Florida. That means if that hurricane is hitting Florida every year, same hurricane, it's the same hurricane, but the cost of the destruction is going to increase and deaths are going to increase. So even if the storm stays exactly the same, it's always going to be deadlier. It's always going to be more destructive. That's how it works. Also, a Nature Communications article Changes in Atlantic major hurricane frequency since late 19th century. We find that recorded century scale increases in Atlantic hurricane and major hurricane frequency are consistent with changes in observing practices and not likely a true climate trend. So it's not because they're actually increasing. It's because more people, more expensive things, and it's because we observe them and classify them differently now. There's another interesting story. This one is out of nature communications as well it says the effects of carbon fertilization on naturally regenerated and planted u.s forests over the last half century in the united states the per hectare volume of wood in trees has increased but the scientists say in this particular article that it is unclear why this increase has happened is it because of forest management forest recovery Does it have to do with agriculture, environmental factors uh, like carbon dioxide? The article goes on to explain that as a result of carbon dioxide, trees, forests, etc. are growing quicker and becoming fuller. And this confirms what NASA has reported based on satellite data. And according to NASA, two years ago, scientists, they're taking this data from the 80s, Scientists in the 80s said that the Earth was getting greener. Maps as of 2020 from satellite data show that the trend has continued. And researchers, according to NASA, say that as a result of more trees, more plants, more green, there is reduced global warming. That's a NASA.gov article. We also have to take this into account. Those computer models don't take the trees into account, do they? They don't take into account how much carbon dioxide those trees absorb. In 2015, a team of researchers, this was published by the Washington Post, found that the planet is home not to 400 billion trees, which was the original estimate, but 3.04 trillion trees. That's a lot more carbon dioxide absorption The average tree absorbs 48 to 50 pounds of CO2 a year. They estimated that every person on the planet would get 422 trees. 422 trees 
multiplied by the 50 pounds of CO2 a year, they would absorb tens of thousands of pounds. It's 20 to uh, 20, 22,000 estimated pounds of carbon dioxide a year they would absorb. And considering the fact that the U.S. tends to, on average, the citizen releases more CO2 per person than even the Chinese, compared to the rest of the world, these trees would account for any CO2 emissions that are increasing. And in fact, the data shows that the earth is greener. There are more trees, more plants. There's less brown. And that is going to stop the trend of what they say is warming, although they're looking at data from airports and urban areas, when if you look at rural data, it shows that there's actually no warming trend. If anything, there's a cooling trend, which confirms what we heard about back in the 60s and 70s with the global cooling scare. So what all this shows you tonight is the hurricane in Florida killed a lot of people. But more people die every day from heart disease, diabetes, and things that they shouldn't be dying of if they were given information and they were making decisions that were better for themselves. We don't care about those people. We just care about the hurricane because it can be politicized. It can be blamed on climate change, which can be blamed on your car and your house and your kids and all that. We know that insurance companies don't really care. They say that they're not going to be able to pay for most of the destruction. This has happened before in Florida when I was a kid. You know, you pay thousands of dollars in insurance and then, well, insurance companies back out because there's too much destruction and uh, you lose everything and then you have to rely on the government to assist you. And if you're relying on the U.S. government to assist you, well, they're not really concerned with assisting you unless you have a, a certain color skin or Perhaps even uh, you're gay. Vice President Kamala Harris said we need to figure out how to distribute funds based on equity and equality and get those funds to communities of color that are hit hardest by these storms. Implying that blacks are poor, whites are rich, white people don't need help, just black people. They need help from white presidents who are Democrats. And all that money should be just given to people because they supposedly experienced worse hurricane force winds and flooding than all other people, as if the hurricane doesn't affect people equally in an area. I mean, yeah, sometimes one house will be left standing. Uh, it's not like the hurricane's racist. The hurricane is destructive to everybody. It destroys everything in its, in its path. but they want to give the money just to people with dark skin. White House supports it, but FEMA said, no, we're going to give the money to, we're going to give the money to everybody because that's insane. Meanwhile, as they lecture us on how hurricanes are worse, they're more frequent, they're more intense, and they try to get the power back on in Florida, they're not using wind power, they're not using solar power, they're not using hydropower. You have an electric car, you can't charge it if the power is out. But while we're told that we need electric cars to stop hurricanes, we need Democrat governors to stop hurricanes, it's DeSantis' fault. Politico ran a story about how he didn't alert people to evacuate. What are you talking about? There's evacuation. I had evacuation reports I saw on the news here in Tucson. 
telling people in Florida to evacuate. They were telling us what was going on. That's what every news outlet reports. It's evacuation, hurricane, destruction, end of the world, Armageddon, because that's what gets hits and that's what gets clicks and views. That's the only reason people watch the news anymore. When they see something explode or people die or big walls of water blow houses down. That's why people watch the news. They're not watching it for information. Everybody saw evacuation orders, but they're claiming, no, DeSantis didn't. He didn't do it in time. So people died. A mandatory evacuation order isn't even mandatory. It just means that if you stay, no one's going to help you if you get in a bad situation. And if he was forcing people to leave, then it would be fascist Gestapo jackboots forcing old ladies out of their home with their cats and forcing them to go inland so they could survive the storm. It's so fascist and evil. These people are sick. And they're the same people telling us we need to, the biggest health threat, the biggest threat to the United States outside of white terrorism, they say, is climate change. And yet the IPCC and various groups that monitor the climate, U.S. National Climate Assessment, and NASA even, all show that Hurricanes are not more frequent. They're not more intense. If anything, just like with warming temperatures, if anything, the temperatures are actually decreasing slightly. Hurricane frequency is decreasing slightly. Hurricane frequency and intensity are decreasing. NASA, NOAA, U.S. Climate Assessment, the IPCC, what the whole thing is based on, all of them telling us this is not happening, but the news and the media just keep reporting it, reporting it, reporting it. And the White House just repeats it, repeats it, repeats it. But these are the same people that are telling us that if Russia invades Ukraine, then there will be some type of destructive act that will wipe out the Nord Stream pipelines. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then... Uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. We will bring an end to it. Should I play you Victoria Newland saying the same thing? Um, with regard to Nord Stream two, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. And they were conducting exercises, bow tops. They were conducting exercises. Here's an article if you want to look it up. Just one of many articles. U.S. Navy assault ship takes part in Baltic Sea training September 4th. And then the president of the United States says, we don't know, even though he threatened to destroy it and to take it out. Biden says, we don't really know what happened to those pipelines. We've got to get people down there to check it out and figure out what happened. Don't really know what happened, but we do know for sure that Putin sabotaged it and Putin's lying to you. I right, thank you all very much. You also asked me uh, earlier about the pipeline. And let me say this. It was a, a deliberate act of sabotage. And now the Russians are pumping out disinformation and lies. We're going to work with our allies to get to the bottom exactly what, it, precisely what happened. And as at my direction, I've already begun to help our allies enhance the protection of this critical infrastructure. 
And at the appropriate moment when things calm down, we're going to be sending divers down to find out exactly what happened. We don't know what happened. We don't know that yet, exactly. But we're not, just don't listen to what Putin is saying. What he's saying we know is not true. I mean, they're not even trying with the propaganda anymore. They're just like, yeah, uh, we blew it up, but it's Putin's fault. Don't listen to him. Just listen to us. So I played you those things, although they don't seem to have anything to do with Hurricane Ian, because these are the same people that clearly are behind the destruction of those pipelines as an act of sabotage, an act of war on the country of Germany, an ally of ours, an act of war on Russia, an act of terrorism. And yet these are the same people that tell us about climate change and carbon dioxide, while Reuters has reported that according to satellite data, methane emissions coming up out of these pipelines, the leak rate from one, just one of four rupture points was 22,920 kilograms per hour of methane, the equivalent of burning 630,000 pounds of coal every single hour. You want to do the math on that? Go back to Nord Stream last week, Monday. It's been eight days times 24 times 630,000 pounds of coal every hour. No matter how many green things you've bought, no matter how many electric cars you've bought to offset and to export your emissions somewhere else, so some African country, you don't have to see it, you feel better about yourself. Um, it's irrelevant in comparison with what's happening with the methane coming out of those pipelines. And that's just one rupture point, 630,000 pounds of coal every hour. That and the HAMP program and programs historically like Popeye and Storm Fury, that's what alters the weather. And even then, officially, the government says we've tried to alter the weather. We can't see what's normal, what's not normal. We can't really figure it out. I don't necessarily believe that. But even if you listen to what NOAA officially says about the HAMP program, Hurricane Aerosol Modification Program, they're saying they've done it, they've sponsored it, they've researched it, they can't figure out if it's natural or unnatural when they try to control it. So how can they tell if a totally natural hurricane is a result of climate change, which the IPCC, the U.S. Climate Assessment, NASA, and NOAA, and top hurricane experts all say it's not climate change. Climate change is not causing these storms. They're not causing more storms, more intense storms. So they just resort to saying, well, might not be affecting frequency, but it's affecting intensity. And then they say, no, it's not intensity because you can't link it to it. So then they turn it into a political game. We just need to get the money to help people that are black and, and, and not white people in Florida. Because hurricanes only affect black communities and gay communities, right? It only affects the, the gay pride parade and poor black ghettos because black people just don't have any money. They need Kamala Harris to help them. And I, uh, I'd regret if I didn't play this for you. This is uh, Nancy Pelosi <laughs> talking about the hurricane aid going to, uh, was it Iran? That's really fun. Some of it needed right away for, for Iran, uh, Ian, but Ian, but it's more will be needed. Disaster really fun. <laughs> yeah, the disaster relief fund for Hurricane Ian. Ian, it's going to Iran, Iraq, Syria. I don't know. Somewhere over there, I don't know, there's brown people I don't like. That's Nancy. She's dressed up for Halloween already, a couple weeks early. 
I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. I just can't even believe that this is the kind of stuff we hear. And um, with all that methane dumped into the atmosphere, I'm still supposed to use a paper straw that dissolves in my mouth. Doesn't make any sense. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more coming up this week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Leave us a review on one of the podcast radio players. Subscribe to our archive. Grab a copy of one of my books. The Technological Elixir has a huge section on climate engineering, environmental engineering in the book. Check that out at thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, as I said. Stay healthy, and we'll always talk to you on the next broadcast. Have a good night. Have a good morning. Have a good morning.